Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 76, The Goonies Movie Review. Brian here along with Yancey Eaton. Yancey, it's Pop Goes Your World. Speaking of Pop Goes Your World, uh, you got a present today, I understand. I did get a present. Hello, Chris. Hello, Hello. to the millions of people listening across the world right now. Um, <laughs> the, the, the millions of listeners um, that we yeah. pull in every week. Yeah. Yeah, millions and millions. Uh, we demand quite the audience, but no, I, I did get a fantastic gift in the mail. You kind of stole the lead. I was gonna, I was gonna mention it, but you beat me to it. Um, Chris was kind enough to send me this just absolutely gorgeous "Pop Goes Your World" T-shirt, uh, black with our logo, our purple logo, and the the little bomb and the the the. The O of the pop, it, it just looks absolutely fantastic. I don't know if any of you guys listening um, are familiar with the artwork. Maybe you are if you see it like in your podcast catcher or if you visited the website, you can see our logo. Um, just a really nice big print, super high quality. The shirt just showed up today as soon as I came home. And uh, I mean, what a treat, Chris, to just to be able to, to rep your podcast like that. People are going to ask me what it is. And I, it's a conversation starter. You know, I can add a couple more million, you know, you know, listeners to our podcast and stuff. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's because it's, uh, we're... I wasn't expecting it. You know, normally when you send me packages, it's it's very very Canadian centric. Like, um, you know, you'll send me like socks, socks with mouthpiece yeah. on them and yeah. stuff or, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I just want to say thank you. And, um, I, I keep saying, I'm going to send you like a Florida care package and I, I very much intend to, I bought things before and then forgot about it and then used them and, and the like, but, um, I'll, I'll get around to it eventually. I'll get you back. But I'm excited because I've sent you, as you mentioned, I've sent you like socks with Mounties on them and like Canadian hats and stuff. So a Canadian care package makes a lot of sense. You're getting, you know, maple syrup and and stuff like that. Well, I'm just curious. I can't wait to see what a Florida uh, package is going to look like. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to think. What wait, What's those pecan log rolls? Those are from Georgia, aren't they? I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm oh, going to see the thing is, this is the thing that kills me about the United States. The United States is so incredibly parochial. It's like like certain areas have certain things. Like I remember I went through Georgia and if there's any listeners out there from Georgia, please uh, tweet at me at C McBrien and, uh, and back me up on this and tell me if I'm crazy or not. But there was like a pecan log roll with like pecans in it and like this kind of white middle part. It was really, really good. And I can't find them anywhere else just in Georgia. So it's just like it's like certain parts of your country have certain things and you can't get them anywhere else. It's very parochial. But, well, uh, well, I'm sure pe- pecan or pecan rolls are probably one of the more iconic pieces of uh, Americana that you can possibly possess. So you've you've basically experienced all that America has to offer, Chris. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think what you need to do is send me some uh, crunch berries and that would that'll make me happy because, you know, we can't get crunch berries in Canada. So the only way I'm going to get them is if you send them to me. Um, what's going on in my world? It's not really pop culture related, but I have convocation tomorrow. I'm just so excited. So convocation is tomorrow at the at the college. So I'll go in. I have to get. I have to wear a gown, Yancy. Like it fitted into a gown. I feel so regal. They put me in this gown and sash, and then all the professors, all the faculty, we go. We all go off to one side, and then all the grads come through. It's just something. It's it's a it's a fun part of my job that I'm very very very.
very lucky and very blessed that I have the job that I do. And one of the things I get to do is twice a year, we get to have convocation. I look forward to it every year. I'm, I'm so excited. I just can't wait to go in tomorrow. It's so you fun. get to wear a gown twice a year. That That's very regal. That's yeah. super regal, yeah. actually. And then, like I say, all the grads <laughs> come across, they get their diplomas, and then they come off the stage and... You know, we get to shake their hands and everything like that. It's just, it's really, it's, it's just, it's a big, you know, graduation ceremony, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's an awesome, awesome part of my job. Um, anyway, are you ready to get started on our iconic Gen X movie this week, my friend? I am. Let's do it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Is it Jason Siegel or Jason Seagal? All right. I'll take your word for it. There's male frontal nudity in this, which I was not expecting. Oh my kind of artistic and actually really beautiful. You struggled with a lot of these, but like no problem getting Jason Siegel's penis. By the way, have we ever had a show without mentioning Star Wars? Try to be juvenile with your 69 jokes. Okay, this week was back to me. I got to nominate a movie, and of course I went with a Gen X classic, the 1985 classic film, The Goonies. So I threw it over to you, Yancey, and I had you watch The Goonies and come back. Do you want to start by giving me any first impressions before actually before we do i would like to point out that you did something really cool this week leading up to the recording the show and you mentioned on twitter you did a twitter poll and you said okay i'm doing the goonies this week everybody give me a you know what's your take on it grade it grade the movie a b c or d and i think the majority was a right but there was a couple d's in there and as I, I think I, yep. I, I jumped in the conversation, I'm like, I wanted to find out who said D and I want to get them on the show. And I think the other comment that I made was if Yancey says D, it's over between us. So I guess we'll start, <laughs> <laughs> we'll start. as you can tell, I love this movie a lot. So um, let's start with you. Uh, you watch The Goonies. You're a millennial. Let me know. What do you think of it? I'm anxious. Okay, so. So to be honest, the Goonies um, of all the movies you've ever recommended, there were a handful that I think I've seen once or twice, or maybe I caught parts right. of them. But you know, I never really immersed myself in the movies. I wouldn't consider them my favorites. You know, nothing even close to that. I mean, even like Back to the Future, which is you know one of the more iconic, most watched films of the 1980s, I had never seen before in my entire life. So there are obviously huge gaps in my movie watching and stuff. But uh, this is one of those rare exceptions where, as soon as you recommended the movie. Um, I was instantly in love with it. I love the idea because I've seen this movie probably 10 times, um, awesome. you know, which is, yeah, which is a lot. And it's because I do love the movie. Um, oh, you referenced, yes, yes. you referenced the, yeah, you referenced the poll that I did on Twitter. Um, you know, there was, there was a good number of responses. Uh, there were some people that, that gave it a D, which I thought was a little surprising. Um, the, the, the tweet said, I'm currently watching the Goonies in uh, preparation for the next episode of mine and Chris McBride's Pop Goes Your World podcast. Grade the movie. 49% gave it an A, uh, 31% a B, 10% a C, and then 10% a D, which, hmm. you know, there were there were several dozen people, you know, over 100 votes were cast. And the fact that 10% would give it a D, I found really surprising. And I kind of did a little big little bit of a, a deep diving and, you know, went on various sites. I went on IMDb and, um, you know, I was on Reddit, just kind of like seeing what the general consensus was on this film which isn't something I normally do, but I was caught off guard by that. And the uh, like the reoccurring sentiment that I see from a lot of people that are down on the movie is that they feel that um, either the acting is so over the top and all the dialogue is just a bunch of kids talking over each other. And they also seem to think that um, you would enjoy this movie more if you saw it as a kid versus seeing it for the first time as an adult, which I guess that's fair. Um, I don't know how much that holds water just because I did see this when I was younger. And, you know, there is that certain level of like heightened like nostalgia to it. Um, how old were you when you saw it out of curiosity? 
Um, Roughly. hard for me to remember. That's one of those movies. It's just like, um, you know, I've, I've mentioned this with other movies in the past where you don't even remember the first time because it was always kind of there. Like I said, I've, I've probably watched it over 10 times. Um, I know I was young. I know I was maybe, you know, maybe five, six, seven, you know, the age when okay. you actually start remembering yeah. things. And, um, I just remember being completely enthralled with it, just taken aback. And, you know, there's so much imagination and, uh, there's so many different themes that it touches on, like things that you would, that you would, you know, enact with your brothers or your friends and, you know, pirates and, and looking for treasure and, you know, forts and booby traps. And it, there's so many different elements that it brings in of, you know, like a kid, especially especially boys, not to discredit like the, you know, the female girl experience. But um, I was just really surprised that that there, even though it was a small minority, that some people were actually down this movie. And um, I guess age and when you're exposed to it has a lot to do with it. But what do you think about the poll? And I mean, that that sentiment in general, do you think it's uh, more of like an age thing and when you're introduced to it? Yeah, it was interesting because I did read uh, some of the responses to the poll and I got, you know, a lot of that, too. A lot of people saying, ah, you know, this movie is like something you loved as a kid. And then as an adult, you realize it's dumb, you know, or it's important when you saw it. If you only saw it as an adult, you're not going to like it. But if you saw it as a kid, you're going to like it as a kid and then think of it fondly as an adult. And I don't I don't know. I disagree with it a little bit. I think my biggest thing is, okay. so let's first of all address the age thing. So if you if you see it, um, let's say as a 10 year old, let's just say, you know, just to put a number on something. So if you see when you're 10. Um, I, I, my biggest fear is that, you know, if, if there's, there's a difference between seeing it as a 10 year old in 1985 versus seeing it as a 10 year old in 2015, because 10 year olds in 2015 have a different expectation when it comes to movies in terms of CGI, in terms of, you know, production values and things like that. So I'm always worried that, you know, somebody in 2015, for example, would watch that movie for the first time and be like, oh, this movie's, you know, it's dumb. Like it's, you know, like it's, it's cheesy. The, the, uh, the, the special effects are not very good and all that kind of thing. Um, but I, I have a, um, a nine-year-old son and I have him watch all these movies because, you know, I'm, I, that's what I'm like. I love Gen X stuff and I feed it to him and he loves it all. He loved the Goonies. He absolutely loved it. He just thought it was just the greatest thing. So it didn't matter to him that it, that it didn't hold up to the same, you know, production values of, you know, say Jurassic World or something like that. But it didn't matter because it's right. it's enjoyable. So so from an age point of view, um, that's always been a concern I have. You know, that, that millennials watch these old movies when they're young and they just have different expectations. So I'm glad that for the most part, I don't think that's the case uh, with this one. But also the other age thing that I will address is if you only ever watch this as an adult, I still think that you would like it. And here's why. This takes me into another point, and I'm going to go into this. There, to me, there's two reasons why this movie is very special. One is personal and one is general. Okay? I'll start with the personal one first. Is that okay? Yeah, you, sure. You're cool with it? So I, I mentioned this before, but I just want to bring this uh, bring this up again. I actually went to see this movie in the theater in June of 1985, and I went on a date. I was 15 years old, and I took a girl on a date to see this movie. <laughs> and the thing was, we went, we went on a date, went to see the movie, and she never spoke to me again. And in fact, her friend, I remember she wrote in my high school yearbook. And, and by the way, as an aside, Yancey, um, do you millennials do that? Uh, like, do millennials write in each other's, like, school yearbooks? Do you even have yes. yearbooks? 
you think we're like monsters or something? Yes, of course. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I thought maybe you just think it was online. You know what I mean? Your 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 things online. So uh, yeah, yeah, we just post on each other's MySpaces. We yeah, don't yeah, even sign it. here. You know, yeah, you just it. text each other something. Uh, <laughs> so at the back, you know, at the back of your high school yearbook, you know, there's always a bunch of blank pages where people would like write, you know, write things and sign it and stuff. Um, yep. Anyway, the, my point is that the girl that I took on a date to see the Goonies, her friend. Um, she was, she wrote in my yearbook and I remember it was something along the lines of like, she said, you know, Hey, have you taken any girls to, to watch little kids running around in a cave lately? You know, haha, something like that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing cause it's been like a century since I was in high school, you know, how old I am. But, uh, so the personal thing for this movie is, is like, I went to see it in the theater. You know, when it came out and I actually enjoyed it when I saw it. I was 15. I thought it was great. I, I just thought it was a good movie. And so from a personal point of view, I love this movie. And in a general reason why I think the movie resonates is this. I think the movie has a lot of lasting, you know, sort of lasting power, because even if you only saw this as an adult, who hasn't dreamt of being a kid and finding a treasure map? Like it appeals to everyone's most basic youthful instinct, doesn't it? Like, yep, you know, yep. I mean, going on an adventure and looking for lost treasure. I mean, who hasn't dreamt of that? Whose inner child hasn't, you know, aspired to doing that? I mean, it's why Stevenson's Treasure Island is such a, a favorite of children for generations. You know, even though it was written, you know, you know, four or five hundred years ago. Treasure maps and hunting for treasure. It's incredibly fun. And it's something I think everyone wishes that they could have done as a kid. So I think this movie basically brings out the kid in you when you watch it. So even if you watched it as an adult it still brings out the kid in you. Does any of this make any sense to you? It does make sense to me. Um, like I said, I, I can't be completely unbiased in it because I was introduced to this movie as a kid, but um, I agree with that notion where it's like, you know, there's a there's that part where we're all basically just like, you know, we're kids who can shave or we're kids who can drive cars. Like there's a certain essence of yourself where you don't completely lose it ever. And like that sense of wonder and adventure. And like you said, just um, the, the whole movie itself is just magic. And I think about, you know, up until the point where I was, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, like I was me and my brother, we were those types of kids where we were outside and basically inventing this type of fun. You know, we, we, we didn't have TV. We didn't have cable. You know, I was, I think, 17 years old before I even had a TV in my room. So we made adventures for ourselves. And I know this sounds incredibly cheesy, but um, this type of movie really appealed to the type of of fun that we'd make for ourselves and the interactions we'd have with our neighbors and, um, you know, building forts and setting, you know, really booby traps and i don't know it just appeals to me in such a way that like i don't feel like i'll ever lose that even as if you know i'm 50 60 years old um i, I think it still touches a part of me and you know whether that's just overt nostalgia or that's just um acknowledging um kind of like your inner child i guess i don't know if that's the same as nostalgia but i definitely understand what you're saying i mean going back to the um the poll that i said there was right. uh there were some interesting comments and some of them i think have a little bit of merit and we can kind of understand what's going on as far as the the actual poll results go our buddy sammy um you know one of my best friends sammy said um many people will give it an a just because of its tremendous nostalgic value but to be honest it didn't age particularly well i'd imagine someone seeing it for the first time as an adult and they wouldn't think much of it which is fair. Um, our buddy Brian Swarberg, he's actually a producer for uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Really cool guy. I've actually hung out with him in California, um, not to name drop or anything. But um, he simply says, I give it an A in my youth and a C as an adult. Uh, Paul Martin says, I give it a B. The concept, the art direction, the casting were top notch. But the acting, yeah, it's a cult classic for a reason. So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there. But for the most part, it seems to be like I, I think it's a general consensus that people um, – depending on when you were exposed to it kind of guides 
your direction and what you think about the movie. But um, I, I'm talking in circles, but I I just think that it's so well done and it captures like the spirit of what being a child is about. And, you know, all the critiques that you see about, um, you know, the, the, the plot and uh, the casting and just people constantly talking over each other and just incoherent dialogue and, you know, four or five lines being said at once. Yeah, is that a little abrasive as a moviegoer? Sure. But that's also a really accurate representation of how a group of young prepubescent boys interact with each other. It's not... Um, you know, it's not scripted. It's not one person waiting their turn and then the next person talking and then there's a rebuttal and then there's some sort of cons, you know, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, they every conversation makes sense and it's cohesive and there's, you know, an argument and a counter argument. That's not how boys interact with each other. Like, it's literally what you see there. It's chaos. It's a bunch of people talking over each other. It's yelling. It's screaming. It's being hyper emotional. It's excitement. I I don't know. I it, it's It's hard for me to. It's hard to me to put my place to put myself in the place of other people and how they feel about this movie just because I am so emotionally attached to it. But um, in the same sense, too, like so many people had different opinions of it that I wonder if this is one of the more polarizing, you know, albeit it's super popular, but one of the more polarizing movies to come out of like that Gen X period. Um, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, you know, you you grew up, you said you were 15 when you saw it. Was it more of a. um, was it like a smash success whenever it came out or were, were people kind of mixed on it like they are now? I mean, how has this movie kind of changed from where it was first introduced to to its reception now? I mean, can you talk uh, on that for a little it, bit? Yeah, it was very it was quite popular when it came out. It made quite a bit of money and, you know, it made, you know, in terms of the money that it cost to, to, to make and then the money that made at the box office, you would say that it would be a hit. Um, anything that back then in the 80s, anything that Richard Donner and Steven Spielberg and Chris Columbus kind of did was was just popular. You know, it was just they kind of tapped into something uh, in the eighties. You know, um, Spielberg obviously, you know, being you know the juggernaut that he is, and he was he kind of had the idea for this story, right? So he kind of came up with the idea, and then Richard Donner with his like Superman and Superman Two stuff, and Chris Columbus obviously doing like Home Alone and stuff. These guys tapped into something, so anything that they kind of did was you know popular. And the Goonies is one of the first sort of things they did together. Um, so I would say, yeah, that it was pretty popular. I want to just touch base on you mentioned first of all, um, you're friends with one of the producers from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, I wouldn't I don't know if producers is official title, but yeah, he works on the show. He's worked there for several years. Um, I mean, that's he really knows, cool, man. That's, that, 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 guy, yeah. like, that, that guy's cool, man. That, that's a really I want to get him on the show, to be honest with oh, you. Um, I like that. that happen. I have a couple of friends that I've met on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. like our buddy Sean. He's the guy who hooked me up with all the the really hard to find uh, Prince albums. Uh, once after Prince had passed away, he sent me a whole bunch of albums. Um, you know, Sean works for reality TV and does all types of productions. I Basically, I'm saying like I'm, I'm basically a sub like you know a celebrity and uh kind of a big deal um <laughs> you're kind of a big deal aren't you um so i, I think mean, that's kind of cool um as to yeah. his point about it being an a when he was a kid and then a c when he's an adult um uh-huh. i don't know i for me it stayed pretty close you know to still being an a and like i still enjoy it today i know it's partly nostalgia i get it but it's also because the movie's incredibly entertaining and like I said, just the, the premise alone of going on a treasure hunt, when you're like, you know, it makes you feel like a kid again. So, I mean, I, I think it has some, some staying power. I don't know. And in terms of... Can I say you, something that, uh, of that may upset you? Of course. I, I think this movie is infinitely more entertaining than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can see where you're but, coming from in terms of entertainment. But in terms of pure 
movie making and pure movie making movie magic Raiders of the Lost Ark is on a different plane the the opening scene alone as I mentioned before and this is not to get into like Raiders but that opening scene in Raiders that is like that should be taught in film school that is how you start a film big 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 and then Bring the pacing right down. Let the audience catch their breath. Start to set up the story again. I don't know. Raiders is is on a different level in terms of movie making. This movie is is entertaining and it's a lot of fun to watch. And as I've said before, that's a big, big plus for me. Anytime mm-hmm. that a movie is a lot of fun to watch, I usually tend to enjoy it. I love going along for the ride in a fun movie. And this movie is fun. But in terms of movie making itself um, as an art form, Raiders Lost Ark is on a totally different plane. That's just my take. But that's fair. Um, you mentioned about how one of the, I guess, you know, quote unquote, annoying things maybe in the movie is that, you know, the, the kids are talking over each other and there's all this like, you know, dialogue that's kind of layered and going on all at once. But, you know, for me, it gives it almost an improvisational tone to the film. It always has. So to me, like you said, that's what would happen if a bunch of kids were in a cave running around and being chased by the Fratellis. Like, you know what I mean? Like there'd be a lot of talking over each other. And all that. And to me, it gives it almost this improvisational feel to it. So I'm perfectly OK with that. Like, I don't have an issue with that at all. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd like to touch base on a couple of things that I absolutely love about this movie. OK, because okay. there's a few things. And so the number one thing that I love about this movie is Mama Fratelli. <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> Anne Ramsey was something else, man. Like she was also um, in a movie called Throw Mama from the Train. I don't know if you've ever heard about that. Have you ever heard of that movie? I have not. No. Um, it came out two later, two years later than this. It came out in 87 and it was basically a rehash of Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. Um, and she played Danny DeVito's mother in that movie. And she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for Throw Mama from the Train. Um, she lost out to Olympia Dukakis from Moonstruck. Major Oscar mistake, in my humble opinion, by the way. Um, Anne Ramsey deserved to win. But anyway, and she and I always remember her also, Anne Ramsey, from Any Which Way You Can. It was a Clint Eastwood movie, and it was a sequel, and she was, like, memorable in that one, too. Really small part. But uh, anyway, um, without, you know, basically rehashing Anne Ramsey's entire career. That's not what this is about. What I'm trying to say is she was awesome. And, I mean, she's old, and she's homely, and she has this mean look on her face. She's got a mustache. I mean, she's basically this gravelly voice. She's basically so incredibly unique and amazing in everything that she Mm -hmm. did. And this movie, The Goonies, is no exception. I I think my favorite Anne Ramsey moment in the movie, there's probably actually two. I I love when she delivers the simple two-word line, kids suck. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. that just makes me laugh so every time that she does it and it's and, like the end of a scene that segues yeah. into another scene just kids suck and yep. she's just like <laughs> exasperated by these kids and she's like oh kids suck <laughs> which i really thought was funny and uh, uh-huh. being a mother you know she's mama for Italy for crying out she's a mama oh kids suck <laughs> like so she is so it's funny <laughs> and then i really loved it when jake uh robert davy when he says uh <laughs> I laugh every time I see this movie and this part when he goes, they hear something and like something shakes and they're in the house. And then she's like, what was that? And then he goes, maybe it was a tremor, ma. (laughs) Just for no reason. Out of the blue, she goes, I'll show you a tremor. And she just slaps him in the side of the face. (laughs) And I don't know why that just, that makes me laugh every time I see it. I'll show you a tremor. Whack. (laughs) Like for no reason. uh, I think my... I think my favorite line from her was whenever uh, she feeds the kids water, which is kind of interesting because 
I mean, they literally they literally put like a bullet in somebody's head and like stuffed them in a freezer. Like these aren't good people. Right. But like she sits the kids down and like, oh, I'll I'll get them a glass of water. And of course, the water is brown. It looks you know rusty and yeah. whatever. And the kids are like, is this water? And she's like, it's wet. Yes, <laughs> like it's wet. It's, it's such it. a. It's, it's just such a perfect line. You yeah. know what I mean? It just she's she's so matter of fact, like, of course, it's it's wet. You know, I I she is a really unique character. And I'm just trying to think of like a parallel between her. Uh, the first thing I thought of was um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Matilda. Um, no, it came out maybe 10, 15 years ago. But there's this woman who she's like the head um, of this private boarding school. And she's an absolute tyrant. It's kind of similar to that. But this woman just she pulls it off so much better. And she's such a quirky character. I, I definitely agree with you as far as like an interest level. Um, I, I thought she was probably the most interesting character. Um, the sons or are, are they sons or are they her brother? Or no, those her are her brother. sons. She has three sons because she's got the, the two, you know, um, Francis and Jake. And then she's got Sloth. Right. So she has the three sons. She's she's a mama. She's Mama Fratelli. Uh, OK. Yeah, I, I, I thought um, not not Joe Pantaleone's or Pantaleano's character, but the other guy. I'm not sure exactly what his name is. Jake's character. Jake, Robert Davey. Um, yep. I thought he was actually super interesting, too, because, you know, at the very first scene, um, you know, it shows him like in the in the jail or, or whatever. And he's holding yep. up a sign that says, like, to who it may concern. And they try to play it off like he's he's basically trying to show himself as this, you know, just this dumb piece of muscle, you know, like this. You're stereotypical. Oh, he's just like the 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 you know, like the enforcer of the group or something. But he's actually kind of uh I don't know. He's a little bit more intelligent than he lets on. He sings, he sings opera. opera. He, he, well, you know, Robert Davey was, like, um, he was a trained opera singer before he became I an actor. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. But I thought his character was pretty interesting, too. I thought so as well. And, and then, obviously, there's the big millennial connection for this movie with Joe Pantoliano because he was in The Matrix. Yeah, as Cypher. Yeah, yeah he was Cypher. Yeah, he was the guy that, like, like was a, the tree like he sort of was a traitor to, to those guys mm-hmm. right yeah so he, play, he plays he plays like a creepy bad guy very well um not to like typecast him i know he's played in a bunch of roles but um like low-key like one of the better like career villains i think you know what i mean of the last 20 25 years yeah i remember him too he he was in this movie called right around the same time as this it came out in 87 a movie um was called uh amazon women on the moon and he had a really really small part in it where he was called Cy swordlow and he was it was like a a spoof of hair club for men where they took carpet and they put it on the head and then they like stapled it into the hair into your into your scalp <laughs> <That's> so stupid <laughs> but uh, yeah I always like Joe Pantoliano he's like always small parts but like you said like bad guy plays him really really well uh-huh. um, so other things that I love about the movie and sticking with characters Sloth man I mean what's not to like about Sloth like he's such a memorable character if you remember our old Dear Mr. Fantasy podcast I used to call our producer Sloth do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the reasons why is because I think somebody at one point had said, hey, I really like your podcast. The production values are really good. Who the hell produces this show? They must be great. And I said, we never hear from this producer. Like, you never hear the guy talk. You never hear, hear you don't mention his name. I said, oh, he's just like Sloth from the Goonies. We chain him up in the basement and we just make him edit the show. And then it just became a running joke that our producer was Sloth. So, I mean, like a Sloth in this movie. Um, This one time, I've just got to share a story. One time on Twitter, I was involved in this discussion about the Goonies, as I am wont to do from time to time, Yancey. I get involved in these uh, these Gen (laughs) X conversations. And the topic turned to John Matusak. So he's the actor that, that played Sloth, right? And he did okay. a bunch of other movies, too. Like, I remember he was a football player originally. And then he started doing movies like North Dallas 40 and Caveman. I remember him in Caveman. And it was also in One Crazy Summer, too, with John Cusack and Demi Moore. But anyway, um, so um, 
he ended up in, in his personal life, like he ended up dying as a result of an overdose of painkiller medication. Okay. So anyway, I'm in this Twitter conversation and we start talking about the Goonies and somebody's talking about John Matusak. And then somebody mentions how, you know, he, he overdosed on painkillers. And I, I just made a comment and I said, well, he probably was taking the painkillers because of, you know, because of his grotesque physical deformities. And people went nuts. Like people were going crazy. They're like, like, are you kidding me? That was just makeup for the movie. That wasn't really him. And like, like, I'm like, I'm just kidding. You know, like, I mean, people on Twitter go crazy. I tell you, um, mm-hmm. but I just, I was just making a little comment, like, like, you know, that cause he was deformed. Of course I know he's in makeup, you know, but, uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, like, I, I love Sloth. I love Sloth. I thought he was good. I like how Chunk becomes his friend. Like basically they're like kindred souls cause they're both different. You know what I mean? And they're outsiders. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, I like it when uh, Chunk meets him for the first time and shares the Baby Ruth chocolate bar with him. And then Sloth, Sloth kisses him. Remember that scene? I I was actually doing some research uh, about the, the movie. And I saw, um, and I was I was reading out like quotes or something like that. And in that scene, when he, when he gets kissed, Chunk is obviously like repelled by like Sloth's horrifically bad breath, right? You know what I mean? His teeth are rotten out for crying out loud, right? And I used to always think, that that scene, because I've seen the movie a zillion times, and I always thought Chunk says to him, "Oh man, you smell like fish heads." And apparently, I misheard it all these years because apparently he says, "Man, you smell like fizz ed." I don't know. I think the internet is wrong. <laughs> I think I'm right on this one. I think he says fish heads. I don't know if you remember the scene I'm talking about, but uh, uh, not specifically, no. But uh, but obviously, sloth. You you like the character? You thought he was pretty cool. I thought it was cool. Um, like in a lot of movies, whatever, there's kind of like a character where you find them kind of quirky and endearing. You, I, I'm always left wishing that they're that they made a bigger part of the movie, or that he had more lines, or that he interacted with the entire group of kids more. You know what I mean? I I, I kind of wish that for Sloth because I do think it's kind of a just a, a really unique kind of character that you don't really see a lot. Um, so I'm a little down on that aspect that like he wasn't utilized more. But um, I mean, I love Sloth. It's kind of hard not to. I like the fact that he's just. Um, He's basically just like a big baby. You know what I mean? He's um, I mean, he I, he has like the mental aptitude of like a dolphin or something, you know, but uh, he's just endearing and loving. And the fact that, uh, you know, him and Chunk basically like love each other at the end, I think is kind of I mean, it's kind of cool. It's it's kind of cheesy. But yeah, he's just a neat character. There's a deleted scene in it, too. I just wanted to bring up um, where they had, you know, OK, you know, when they, they, they go down the slide and then they fall into like the water and then they turn around and they see the ship for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the way, too, just as an aside, when they turn around and see the ship for the first time, that was the first time that they were actually seeing the ship, the actors themselves. So what, what Richard Donner, the director did was he didn't show them the ship. They recreated the whole ship. They built this ship and they didn't show the kids. They brought it in and then they had the kids turn around and look at it. And so their reactions would be like more realistic, more improvisational. Right. That's and pretty cool. one mm-hmm. of the problems was a lot of them swore, you know, holy shit. You know, and so they, and they so they had to cut it out, <laughs> and then they had to go back and and reshoot it again. You know, uh, with them, you know, uh, doing it without the the swear words in it. Anyway, so so that was one thing they they did in that. You know, when they were in that, it was like I don't know, like waist deep water. You remember? And then the, the pirate ship was there, and then they went out to it. Well, there's a scene there when they're swimming out to it, and an octopus comes. 
And like this big octopus comes and attacks them. And then they're, they're, they're fighting all this. Anyway, they cut out the scene because it just didn't really have much to do with the story. And it just didn't really fit in with the pacing of the film. Mm-hmm. But then at the very end, and I always wondered this, and it wasn't until I kind of dug a little bit deeper and kind of found out because I was always wondering, like, why does he say that? At the end, when the parents all come and get the kids and, and they're all talking to their parents, they're like, oh, you can't believe this happened. Like, what an adventure we just went on. And Data says to his dad... And he says, oh, yeah, it was so good. And the octopus, the octopus was really scary. That was the scariest part. And I remember watching the movie thinking, octopus? What the hell is this guy talking about? And that's when I <laughs> found out there was this octopus scene anyway. But uh, just want to throw that out there. Um, another character I want to mention, of course, one of the, the greatest characters you know, in the film is Chunk. So uh, do you, you like Chunk? What do you think of him? Um, I, I, I don't know if he's my favorite character. I don't, it, it's really hard to judge them as like standalone characters because I think – the ensemble in itself and how they interact with each other is kind of a character by itself. Um, I, I, I think as a standalone, none of them are particularly strong. If I don't know, that kind of sounds like a cop-out answer. Uh, Chunk kind of grades on you a little bit, especially towards the beginning, but he is kind of endearing towards the end. Um, I don't know if I had to, if I had to rank the characters, I guess data is my favorite. I, I I don't know. From like the boy standpoint, I it's hard for me to parse them individually. But I mean, how, how do you think that fleshes out as far as like the most interesting or most compelling characters? Or I mean, do you have a favorite or is it like far and away just Chunk? Oh, I don't know if one of them is my favorite. I guess I, I like Chunk uh, for a lot of reasons, um, not least of which is the actor himself, Jeff Cohen. This is his only movie credit. He was in this movie and that was it. He did a couple of TV shows after that, like he did an episode of Family Ties and stuff, but that was it. Never acted in another movie again. And in fact, then went to school and went to law school and he became an entertainment lawyer in Hollywood. So he kind of stayed in the business, sort of. But uh, this was it. This was his only movie that he ever did. Um, there's some scenes, though, with him in it that are just so good. Remember when, when the Fratellis get him and, and she's threatening to put his hand in the blender and they're like, Tell us everything. We ought to know where those kids are. Tell us everything. And he's like, everything is like, yeah, everything. Start from the beginning. And then he starts going into all the things he did when he was a kid. Remember, he's like, in third grade, I cheated on my history exam. And then and then I was in the Hebrew school play and I glued my uncle's toupee on my on my on my face. And I played Moses in the in the play. It's like, I don't know. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. And then um, the other scene that jumps out to me with him is when he calls the, the cops. And he's like trying to like report on the Fratellis. And then the sheriff says to him, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure this. Is, yeah, let me guess. Right. This is just like those that prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. And it's just like a a, a, a nod to Gremlins, which was Spielberg's other movie right at the time, um, mm-hmm. um, which reminds me of there's a couple other Easter eggs in this movie, which I'll just stick a pin in and we'll come back to some of those. But no, I thought Chunk was pretty funny, you know, pretty funny. I guess, you know, maybe the scene when they're. Like the truffle shuffle, everyone loves that. You know what I mean? But it's like they're kind of just making fun of him because he's fat, right? I mean, that's kind of silly. But um, I don't know. I, I I thought, yeah, Chunk was probably good. You like Data, though. Why did you like Data? Just because he was like doing lots of inventing and let's kind of... I, I found Data's uh, dialogue kind of hard to, to understand at times. That's the only thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think just as like an individual character, I think he's the oddest and the most interesting but with Chunk, I think the the single most compelling thing about his character was the fact that multiple times the other boys use him almost as a prop. Uh, <laughs> like whenever they're looking through the framed photo of the map, he, you know, um, 
he literally hands him it like, hey, Chunk, hold on to this, knowing that he's going to drop it. And basically he's right. the one to blame for it. it. It's they do that multiple times where it's like, hey, Chunk, come here. Or, hey, Chunk, look at this. Like they know him so well in his tendencies that he he literally becomes like a prop in the movie. And I thought that was just kind of a, a neat thing that you don't normally see. Um, I'm trying to think of the other characters, but. Um, well, what about Mouth? So Corey Feldman and um, I, I have a question for you as a millennial. What was it like seeing Corey Feldman as a young teenager? You've probably only ever seen him on like reality TV, right? In the millennial generation. Right. Um, honestly, it was kind of sad. It's funny that you had mentioned him. Um, it's sad because like you, you hear all these stories coming out about how for years he tried to talk about um, sexual abuse that had been right. um, you know, put on, on him and other people that he knew like working in the industry. And for literally decades, people, <laughs> people basically ignored him or thought that he was lying or just turned a blind eye. And now, um, you know, he kind of has, you know, some, some mental problems and he is emotionally disturbed. And, um, you know, he, he, there's been multiple attempts at him to try to re you know to basically resurrect his career and stuff and he was kind of ruined by that so it was weird to see him at this age where you know he was just a kid um all the quote-unquote crazy stuff that he had done for the last you know 15 20 years this was all before that so it's kind of like seeing him like at his most i don't want to say pure form it wasn't his fault that those things were done to him but kind of sad as i watch it like the entire time like it almost becomes a distraction thinking like knowing how much baggage comes with this particular actor um, and most of it not self-inflicted, it's it's actually pretty sad. Mm -hmm. And he was actually like a pretty big star at one point. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. there was him and Corey Haim. They were like the two Corys. Like they did a few movies together back in the 80s. They had quite a following of fans. Like I never really liked them, but I but I did like Corey Feldman as as mouth in this movie, mm -hmm. like when he's translating for the Spanish to Rosita the maid and he's making up all this stuff. Like I thought that was pretty like saying that they have marijuana and they're hiding all these sexual torture devices and stuff like that. I thought it was pretty good. And then mm -hmm. of, of course the, the scene at the end with, when mama Fratelli when the Fratellis take over the ship and then they're, they like, they're, they're taking everything. And then she's like, you're the one they call mouth. You're awful quiet. What's the matter with you? And then she reaches in his mouth and she pulls out that big long string of pearls. <laughs> so, like, like there obviously mouth. had to be a reason why he wasn't. Yeah, why talking, he wasn't yeah. talking because you know because he's mouth, right? Uh -huh. um, but uh, we usually talk about uh, when we when we talk about these movies, we'll mention some quotes. Any quotes stand out to you? Oh, for sure. I I love the part. Um, I, I can't remember the guys, the, the the bankers or the you know the quote unquote bad guys of the film that like the, the people who work for the bank. They they show up and they're like, hey, is your mom home? And uh. Uh, who is the Josh? It's the same Josh Brolin. Am I thinking of the yes. right actor? Yep, Josh Brolin was in it. Um, brand. Josh, yep. Josh Brolin is basically like, uh, no, sir, our mom's at the market buying Pampers for all of us kids. Right. And it's just right. like this like random like throwaway that like a legit teenager would say. Or uh, whenever they knock down the the miniature replica uh, Michelangelo, the David, right. and the penis falls off. That's my mom's favorite piece. You know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then and then and then mouth is like, well, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't. <laughs> you know. And all yeah. that. And then yeah. they, they glued it on upside down. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. Not even just like a quote, but I love the fact that uh, Corey Feldman's character Mouth is actually wearing like a purple rain shirt throughout the entirety That's of the right. movie. It was. Yeah, you'd like. I that. thought that was pretty cool. Um, uh, the, the part where I can't remember what her name is. Is it Andy that I'm thinking of? The girl. Yep, like, uh, like, like kind of like the cheerleader character. kind of girl. Yeah, it was Andy. Yep. Yeah, at the very end when she has to play like the the bone organ or whatever. Yep. And she's sitting there and she's freaking out and she misses. You know, she gets two or three chords wrong in a row, and they're like, "Just don't be wrong again." And she's like. I just can't I can't remember. I don't know if it's A sharp or B flat, which, you know, 
at face value, that's not very funny. But if you have any type of musical background same at all, note. you know that that's the exact same note. Same note. Um, yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> that's a good um, point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Just a lot of little, like little lines like that. Not like huge, you know, it's not like the princess bride where there are so many iconic, just really obvious, immediately um, available quotes that people are going to pull from and, and, and throw out there all the time and you immediately know what the movie is. But just a lot of little subtle pieces that I think are, are really, really smart. But what are some of your favorite quotes, Oh, Chris? man, there's a lot. I love, I just love the Fratellis. I think when J- uh, Jake Fratelli, that's uh, Robert Davy, the opera singer guy, when he, when he says to he says to Sloth, he's like, hey, Sloth, don't sit too close to the TV. You're going to hurt your eyes. <laughs> it's a throwaway <laughs> lock, but I'm like, geez, the guy's all deformed and his eyes like sunken out of his head. Like, just like that, that was kind of kind of funny. And then speaking of them later on, when when uh, when Sloth like uh, he he gets away, and then he rips open his shirt, and it's got the Superman on it. And then uh, Jake goes, "Oh, we're in deep now, Francis." I thought that was pretty funny too. Um, Jake Fratelli when he says, um, uh, <laughs> they're, "They're trying to they're trying to appeal to Sloth so Sloth doesn't like kill them." You know what I mean, or beat them up or whatever, and uh, and they're both trying to like, like you know appeal to his whatever his human side, and he's like, oh, m- remember when we took you to the Bronx Zoo, and and and, and we and then Francis wanted to leave you there, and then <laughs> Francis like, we I mean, never been to the to the Bronx Zoo, and then they start fighting, and then he's like, you remember when he, when we wanted to get your teeth fixed, and we spent the money on Francis's toupee, and they're going back and forth, so I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. Um, like I say, I did like the parts about uh, uh, the Spanish translation. I thought those those always stood out to me. And one is it is kind of cheesy. It's kind of a cheesy line. But at the end, and you mentioned your favorite character was Data. And at the end, when he's talking to his dad, and then they're, they're show, he's talking in Chinese, and then they um, they show the um, the subtitles, and uh, the dad is just like him. Because he goes to try and take a picture. Remember, he has this like camera invention that comes out and then the, the film goes away. <clears throat> and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, he goes, I, I, I couldn't take your picture. And then he says to him, he goes, that's OK. You can't hug a photograph. And then he says, you're, you're my greatest invention, son. You're my greatest invention, oh, I don't know. which is it's probably so the corniest line it's in so the movie. <laughs> but I, just, I don't know. <laughs> the thing is, too, is that in that scene, a lot of those parents uh, were the actual kid actors, real parents. So they weren't actors. They were the actual kids' parents that, that played in those oh, scenes. I didn't know that. And also, uh, just another little uh, piece of trivia, when the, when the two cops, remember the two cops come up on the, on the, uh, on the uh, little uh, four, four-wheelers down the beach? And, mm-hmm. and, and there's the two of them. The one has, has a couple lines, and the other one doesn't have any speaking lines. The one that doesn't have any speaking lines is actually the director, Richard Donner. So oh. they, they, they drop a couple of Easter eggs because like, even Sloss Superman shirt. I mean, that was Richard Donner's movie, right? So, I mean, they, they did drop a lot of those kind of things. Overall, um, you obviously enjoyed the movie. You've seen it multiple times. So uh, would you give it a rating for me? I will give it like an 8.5. I think wow, for that's what awesome. it is. Yeah, I think for what it is, as like a, it's purely designed for kids. The fact that it is still eminently um, entertaining as an adult, uh, you know. So, all, so all sorry, the, I'm just gonna the, jump in. So let's do it like your like your poll. You had to do it like your poll. It's an A, B, C, or mm-hmm. D. It's an A, right for you? Um, I mean, I guess an, an eight point five. That's an A. Most of the time, that would be a B. Um, but it's just so rare that you give 8. movies 5, that high no, of a eight point five is an A. You know. Yeah, I, I'm thinking more of like an actual like grading scale. Like yeah. if I got an 85 on my test paper, that's a B, Chris. Like well, you're a professor, you know that. I'm Come a professor. On. Maybe it's because in Canada, but anything over an 80 is an A. See, and that's why you guys can't compete with America in the global market. I'm just. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you, your schooling system is so good. I tell you. <laughs> I know. I know. 
this we could we could talk about about this. I'm just playing, but um, I would give it like an eight point five, which like in the hierarchy of movies, it's rare that you'd even see a movie get like an eight. You know what I mean? Right. I think it's very very good. I think as far as like kids movies go, I think it is absolutely iconic. Um, I mentioned some of the other movies that like I would hold it to. I did, you know, I put this in my notes, Chris. I want to make sure I just touch base on this sure. very quickly. Um, while watching that, it's been a couple of years since I've seen this movie. Um, man, Stranger Things really pulls a lot from this movie, oh, uh, sure the Netflix does. series Stranger Things. Um, sure even everything like um, like the mom, uh, what's her name, uh, Miss Walsh by yep. Mary Ellen Trainer. Yep. So like the, the mom, she is so much like the mom on Stranger Things, where like she means well, but she's a little aloof. You know, she's kind of she's like this like quirky kind of idiot mom. You know, not to be like disparaging or anything, but um, or like the uh, what what was the the girl, not not a not Carrie Green's character, but the other girl. I'm trying to look up Martha, up Martha right now. Plimpton. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So like she is basically Barb from Stranger Things yes. with the glasses, the way she does her hair, uh, just like how she acts. And like she's she's kind of always like rolling her eyes kind of thing. So many of these characters are like a direct parallel uh, to Stranger Things. The one um, the one it, mom it, in Stranger funny. Things, too. I think it's um the, the I'm just trying to think of the characters. It's been a while since I've seen it. The teenage girl and then the the, the, the guy. Is it Mike? Is that, is that his name in Stranger Things? Their mom, yeah, so. their mom all reminds me of 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 uh, Miss Walsh too, like just mm-hmm. the, with the hair and everything. So I I agree with you. Like even just physically, like she looks like her. Yeah, and just the idea of like a pack of boys and like how they all have like these like really yep. different personalities, but how they all kind of coalesce together. And they I, have these adventures. It, it, it's such an obvious homage to it. Yeah, I I just thought it was like really cool. It's it's really hard to to use. Um, Stuff like this from other movies and not just be like a blatant ripoff, but it, it kind of made me reappreciate um, Stranger Things even more because they were able to kind of like, uh, you know, tip the hat to like movies like The Goonies without completely um, just basically plagiarizing. But I just thought that was really interesting. I, but I oh. read somewhere that and I, I, I should go back and take a look at this. I read somewhere that in Jurassic Park, the original from 93, mm-hmm. um, you remember uh, Nedry? Remember um, uh, Wayne Knight's character, Newman? Newman's character, yes. Newman from um, <laughs> Newman. <laughs> in, in, in multiple scenes in Jurassic Park, he the clothing that he wears, every outfit that he wears is an homage to uh, Goonies character. No, yeah, I read that somewhere and I saw it on Twitter. Like the one time he wears the um, the Hawaiian shirt, like chunk, with the jacket over it, and he wears a couple of other outfits, and they're all homages to Goonie uh, Goonies. I don't know. I got to have to take a, take a look at that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'll neat. have to see it again. Yeah. I would give it, uh, uh, you give it an 8.5. 8. I'd give it an 8 uh, for sure. I Like I said, I think movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark were better, better films. But in terms of just mm-hmm. a lot of fun, it has a, a, a huge place in my heart. My son is nine. He's seen it multiple times um, and loves it too. He absolutely loves the Goonies. He was, he, he was like, oh, what are you and Yancey going to do on the show this week? And I said, we're going to watch the Goonies or we're going to talk about the Goonies. Oh, can we watch it again? Let's watch it. So he was all excited. He got to watch it. Like he, he really likes this movie a lot. And it just reminded me that um, it does kind of transcend generations and that, you know, it is... It's it, oh, I just love being able to share these movies from my youth with my children, and I'm sure you will someday too, Yancy. But you'll be mm-hmm. sharing like you know, um, you know, Interstellar with your kid, and you'll be boring them to death. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll bore your freaking kids to death making them watch that crap. But uh, no, overall, I can say I'm, I give it an eight. 
uh, out of ten, and I, I thought it was really, really good. So, so I'm glad, Lancey. I'm glad that you like this movie a lot. It's good because it is a Gen X staple. There's no question. Mm-hmm. It is definitely uh, one of the big sort of tentpole films of of Generation X, and uh, this is one of them. So, speaking of uh, of generational films, um, it's now the time of the show for you to give me a movie to watch next week. What movie will I be watching? Pray tell. Uh, so. I don't know. I feel like we can go either way with this movie. I, I most of the time I know that you're not going to like a movie ahead of time, and maybe that's just because I'm an and I still pick it. <laughs> but um, the movie we're going to watch is from 2013. It stars Chris Evans, and it is called Snowpiercer. What? Snowpiercer? Piercer? Yes. Snow- it is a very Snowpiercer. interesting. A very interesting movie. Um, the oh, the plot, God. the the. It, I'm telling you, it, it's it's one of its. I'm it, googling it, it's this its right now. Movie. I'm googling yep. this right now. Snowpiercer. Oh, yes. Jesus. This is one of those movies, Chris, where I watched it. Um, I just happened Survivors to stumble upon it on Netflix. Okay, so let me just read this. Survivors <laughs> of Earth's second ice age live out their days on a luxury train that plows through snow and ice. And great, another dystopian future. It's crazy, movie. right? Oh man, it sounds crazy. It sounds it sounds like a straight to DVD type movie. And like I said, I, I don't want to give away too much because we have to do a whole show on it, obviously. But I stumbled upon this on Netflix. I watched it thinking it was just a throwaway movie. It is much, much more than that. It is low key, extremely, extremely good and smart. And I think you'll like it. But um, we'll talk about it next week. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, <laughs> we'll I guess we'll come back next week and we'll do snow. Pier- oh, I can't believe I have to watch this movie. The torture you put me through, young man. Um, I, I, then be honest, I've never even heard of that movie before. Well, that's that's why we do this podcast. Exactly. To, to expand, expand your horizons my, a bit, expand right? my horizons. And, I, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity to expand my horizons. Until then, this is Chris McBrien for Yance Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 